0: Race through the gates into the temple and make your way towards the Jeweled Scabbard. Hidden inside the temple are temple guards, assigned to protect three specific rooms. You can trade your pendant for an extra life and go on, but if you're caught without a pendant, you'll be taken out of the temple. The doors of the temple will instantly unlock, and the temple guards will vanish. Return through the gates with the Jeweled Scabbard of Sforza in three minutes, and you will both be handsomely rewarded. Legends of the Hidden Temple.
1: Welcome to Splat Attack, a podcast honoring the slime filled past. I'm your Silver Monkey Guardian, Brett.
2: And I'm your Pit of Despair Survivor, Alex. And Brett! Yes, Alex? We've been to Olmec's Hidden Temple many times before throughout our podcast. What makes our visit in the deep jungle so special this time around?
1: Well, you know, I'm feeling a little bit sentimental because after 30 years of Legends of the Hidden Temple kids crossing the moat, answering historical trivia questions, and yelling at their TV during temple runs, it just felt right to return to this special place once more and really dig deep into what made this one of the most, if not the most, engaging Nickelodeon game shows to ever exist.
3: Mm.
1: Happy anniversary, Legends crew! <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, I can't wait to get into this temple. But uh, Legends has proven time and time again that you can mix a little education, exercise, a good heavy dose of 90s nostalgia to make a winning formula in a 90s Nick show. And even though legends is not my absolute favorite nick game show uh figure it out is mine legends is up there and i definitely can understand why people especially 90s nick fans consider this to be the epitome of 90s nick game shows ever it's it's a great show
4: enough chit chat alex and brett
1: i got a show to run whoa
2: kirk fogg sorry of all
1: people sorry yeah (laughs) I I forgot you were here.
2: (laughs) You you, you do it, man. You're
1: the boss. We're not worthy.
4: We're not worthy. (laughs) So before we take a walk down memory lane around the temple, Olmec, who's going to be joining us today?
1: We have Matt Matt and Malcolm of the Red Jaguars. Yay. (laughs) We also have Kristen Kirkville, slash Ross, of the Red Jaguars as well. Yay. (laughs) We've got uh, Josh of the Blue Barracudas. Josh Sina uh, Well, we don't have any green monkeys, orange iguanas, or purple parrots here, so we'll just skip them and edit some generic kids in later. Luckily,
5: uh, I was a green monkey on the first version of the show, so you can
1: have a green monkey and a blue barracuda. Okay, we'll, we'll count it. We'll count it. We also have Josh as You're a right. green monkey. <laughs> Yay! He's not wearing the shirt. It's
3: right here. It's behind. It's
1: right there. Yeah. The shirts on as well close enough <laughs> and last but not least we have nick bory jen ayers and john sujeski on the silver snakes Woo! Yay! <laughs>
3: okay.
2: now now if i'm not mistaken they're not the only guests that we've got they are our contestants but what other fans have, or not fans what other guests do we have
1: well we also have uh the distinguished guests uh we have a uh, legends Expert and fan Carl DeCort joining us today.
3: Yay! Yay.
1: We have uh, David Jordan who did a lot of the prop work for Legends of the Hind Temple, who is also on our Wienerville 30th anniversary. Hey. And last but not least, we have Mike Lupia, who is the temple guard from season three of Legends of the Temple. Woo! You wow. look a lot different without your mask, Mike.
6: Yeah, uh, for the better dramatic.
1: <laughs> Did you
4: like scaring
6: the too. kids, Mike? <laughs> Sorry about the nightmare, so I apologize. <laughs>
1: That's okay, every 90s kid has a few they have to unpack. I'm sure you had a thrill scaring the kids, I'm sure. Well, um, you know, now that everyone's introduced and we're all set to tackle the temple, uh, let's just dive in with some questions for y'all to warm things up. Uh, What do you guys remember most fondly about being on the show?
5: Uh, I love seeing the set for the first time in real life after seeing it on season one forgive me i'm getting over a cold too nick just realized i'm contagious
3: oh no (laughs) so (laughs) no
5: yeah it was just neat seeing how different it looked in real life and seeing the nickelodeon tour up in the window and all that seeing it from a backstage perspective uh versus worrying about uh of course you wanted to go well but just being on the set was so cool for a kid back then
1: i bet it looked very larger in life from the behind the scenes footage i've seen
2: and, and to clarify, for anybody who's listening and watching the, this episode, not all of these guests are exclusively from the original uh, run that was on Nickelodeon. Uh, we have a few who are also from the reboot, so we're going to have memories that are going to cross between both. So just know that ahead of time.
1: Got, gotta have full representation, even if some of you listeners are diehard 90s fans or even enjoyed the reboot. We gotta, we gotta do it justice by covering everything.
7: Um, so I am a reboot contestant. So although I desperately wanted to be on as a child, my mom would not drive me from Connecticut to Florida for that. As a adult getting on the show, first of all, it was just really surreal and we filmed outside. We were on like a movie ranch, And so walking onto the set and just seeing the moat, which was way, way, way bigger than the original. It was a little intimidating and seeing the temple, was just as amazing for an adult who had watched and loved the show as a kid as it is for a kid, I think, competing. It was just huge and intimidating and, like, just awe-inspiring. It was it was really a weird, like, made me feel like I was nine years old again. It was <laughs> awesome.
1: Did you get a chance to uh, tour the temple at all as a contestant?
7: No, they did not let us. Um, we, My team made it to the Temple Games, but were eliminated there. But we did get to take on Razor scooters, so, you know, I guess that's, like, the adult equivalent of BK Knife. But <laughs> uh, they, did not, they did not let us check the temple out. Um, but, you know, when we were standing on the side waiting to go on set, like, I was trying to see everything just from the side, like, peak.
8: I was just going to echo what Jen said, because we were on the reboot as well. And, uh, like, seeing the set so many decades after you know the original show, because Matt and I watched pretty much every single episode of the original series, um, it was just like my inner child screaming the entire time. Like oh, I can't believe I'm here, um, and especially when we were um, on the, the the steps of knowledge because um, we were right next to Olmec, so that was just absolutely insane. And like hearing, uh, you know, Olmec's voice, like Dee Bradley Baker, just speaking, speaking right in our ears and asking us questions. It was, it was just a wild experience and like something I didn't ever think we would be able to do in real life.
7: (laughs) When you guys were on the steps, were you looking, like we were closest to Olmec and I just kept, like I was looking and you see my face watching it. I was just like, I have to remember this forever. I have to take like the best mental picture of Olmec right here talking to me. Did you feel like that too? Like, okay.
2: And it was cool, too, because, like, as, as kids, like, we
8: watched it and fantasized about being on it, but it was always, like, co-ed teams, and, like, to get to do it as adults, like, with my brother was pretty amazing, yeah. Well, and also, um, just to just to, to expand on what Jen, you were just asking, like, because we were right next to Olmec, so, like, hearing the questions he was asking, and and I feel like the story he told in the reboot was, like, ten times longer been the story that he told in the original series, yeah. so I'm trying to memorize every single detail and also not freak out because it's Olmec talking to me and like <laughs> having to fend, like to fend off the nostalgia because <laughs> I'm like I'm in game mode right now. I, I can't worry about the nostalgia. <laughs> it was uh, just a great experience.
1: <laughs> sounds like a lot of uh, mental gymnastics in in addition to physical ones.
6: Oh, absolutely. The funny thing uh, from, from my perspective back in uh, back in season three on the, the original show is, you know, it's, it's so impressive how ornate the set was and the scale of the production. And Olmec, of course, you know, being a centerpiece of it, uh, you know, I got to being backstage meet D very early in his career. And now he's done like, what, 700 different, you know, everything, from Star Wars to Star Trek to everything. Uh, you know, one of the most you know, proficient voice actors out there. But back in 95 in season three you go backstage and there's b standing behind olmec with a lever to make the mouth move and a microphone that would trigger the eyes when he spoke and it was just kind of like it was cool but it was so wonky at the same time you couldn't help but just get a good chuckle watching him oh here's the the treasure of the sierra madre It,
1: it sounds very much like um with the wizard of oz as he's like do pulling all the mechanisms behind the curtain except it's a giant stone head. And he and, was a uh, little
4: kid, right? Like He looked like he was Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. And very
1: much, yeah. Curly <laughs> yeah. hair, like, you know, zoinks. Who's that actor who looks like him? It's on the tip of my tongue uh, in the live action Scooby-Doo movies. Matt Lillard. Oh, Matt Lillard. Matt Millard. Lillard, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they could be a strange brothers. <laughs>
2: yeah. John, what about you? What do you what is, what is, what's something that you recall fondly? I would just say that, you know,
9: the whole the whole set in the first place, I'd been on a previous game show for Nickelodeon, which their set was so small. I was on get the picture.
1: Oh, Oh,
9: awesome. So it was like a kind of like a double whammy. And then all of a sudden I get thrown on this set and I was like, this thing is huge. Mm -hmm. A little overwhelming for only being 13 and trying to take it all in and all the set lights. And it was just a good time.
1: Do you happen to remember uh, what the artifact was when you were on the show?
9: Golden Cricket Cage of Khan.
1: Ah, yes. I'm
9: <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a long day of shooting. Mm-hmm. By the time we got to the, the temple, was a blur. yeah. People were like, oh, why didn't you do this? That time of day, you're trying to stay on the whole time. That gets a little exhausting.
4: Yeah, because you're just sitting there watching it on TV, and you're like, oh, all you got to do is do this and this. But when you're there, you're just trying to do a mental game.
9: Well, we had a TV in the green room and all, but half the time it wasn't even working. We were not even be able to watch other episodes being filmed so we could get any type of reference.
4: A TV wasn't working we're... in a TV studio?
9: <laughs> no, they gave us no games, nothing to kind of keep us occupied, no maps to go off of. We were bored kids all sitting in a room. Oh, That's no.
4: ridiculous. Oh, I'm sure everybody was climbing the walls.
9: Oh, yeah. How much pizza and soda can you drink?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot pizza. Now, Christian, what about you? What did, well, uh, I'm, I believe we've a- asked you this before on, uh, on when you were on, but for those who are hearing this episode for the first time and haven't gone to our previous ones, what is something that you recall fondly?
10: Yeah, so I was on as a kid, and the Temple Run definitely was the best part of the show.
2: And I have a question for David Wavy Davy, as as he is well known with uh, within the circuit of all nostalgia, it uh, is. Yes. Olmec is an incredibly iconic prop. I mean, you you cannot separate legends and Olmec; it's it's impossible. How many times, and how well, how often do you end up seeing a replica of Olmec? somewhere as in like a a con or people send you something. Is it something that happens frequently or is it something that's just a, a, every once in a while thing? You know, you, I I just got a little bit of goosebumps thinking about that kind of thing. Uh, it is,
11: it's incredible to, to be attached to to have actually put your hands and sculpted something that, uh, yeah, got rose to an iconic level. I mean, I got Pee-wee and some of the other Nickelodeon shows too. But uh, you know, uh, Omak is just singularly—I mean, he's the symbol, right? I mean, it's right behind your heads over there. I—I uh, I, I run into it now again. What what's cool is to run into those T-shirts. I think you know they—they, they, I see them out in the streets some places and. and uh, it, it, yeah it, it really brings a
1: smile it gives me a little bit of a like i said goosebumps it's as an artist that's what you want to do really touch hearts. it's nice to see your work out in the open and people really connect with it
12: did they did, have you been to the the was it the park up in new york or new jersey the nickelodeon park that has like the the legends ropes course and there's that
2: huge omec i have is it good that Sounds pretty cool from what it's amazing from what i say Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's a it's a hotel, right? And they've got this. No, mixing it's it's that's mixed it's in like in
12: with it. I think it's in a mall or or something. Yeah, it's called Nick, yeah mall of America.
9: Is yeah, it, is that where it's at? I, the one with the coasters, like you know, SpongeBob and all that. Mm-hmm.
12: Right, but I think this is in like New York or New Jersey, though. It's in New Jersey, yeah. Yeah, and it's got like it's a, a whole a, like a Legends rope course as part of it, and then like I said, they've got like a full size Olmec, like a really good looking, like original looking one. Looks a lot better than the one in the reboot. <laughs>
3: oh, <laughs> oh my.
1: Um, but take that. <laughs> I, I was actually going to ask about the different iterations of Olmec because I know season one, he has a very like smooth look. And then around end of season two, season three, he has a much more chiseled look. Was there like anything that happened on set or any like desi- design decisions with the executives that made his look look a little bit altered? Uh,
11: You know, I was involved. I, I did the initial sculpt uh, of Almac and the and the and the uh, monkey. And I can't remember some other things, but uh, then I, I went on to other Nickelodeon shows. So when that one got uh, brought back for another season, there could have been, you know, they maybe wanted a bit of a change. But mm-hmm.
1: I, I think I, I recall. Reading somewhere um, on the King's Storeroom website, which is like the fan made website where they put all the statistics, mm-hmm. that uh, somewhere around that time, like all the lever pulling for um, Olmec's mouth, like, yes. caused the foam to crack and crease. So they had to remodel it with like some cloth and, and new foam of what chunks were left. And I guess they just um, conformed his, his cheekbones to be a little bit sharper to, to make it look more natural and less like it, his face is cracking apart.
11: Yeah, I, I I hate to, you know I I would have liked to have been invited to 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 been part of those workings but uh yeah I saw it after those uh whatever you would say reverbs but uh yeah it it, it it had gotten damaged pretty pretty bad now unfortunately some some of that stuff you know it goes into pretty rough story not I mean not i mean it was fairly respectful for storage but you know florida heat and things like that and you know i built puppets and you put them in a bag and the foam will just you just come back open the bag and it's some eyes and a pile of foam
1: yeah. so yeah it does not do well in uh, humidity Dave, do you uh, yeah. know
11: what they ever did to
5: the Olmec puppet after it was in storage? Because I saw pictures of it years later that you're talking about where it's kind of damaged on the corner, but I, I always knew where it or I wondered where it went because I noticed there was a petition there in the, in the shot on the picture to uh, save him, I guess.
11: Oh, was, am I standing in that shot? Is there a couple of guys? Yes, sir. That was, that picture, I believe, was at the sale where they, uh, uh, sold off everything from the Florida studio. And, uh, I heard, I heard it didn't go to a good place, but I'm, I'm not going to talk too much.
1: That's all right. That's all <laughs> That's right. It's unfortunate, but I, I don't, you know,
11: I don't think it is in a vault.
1: Anyways. Yeah. I, I do remember some of the other legends props and like pieces of the temple rooms were uh, later auctioned off and also given away as prizes on Figured Out. So there's a little bit of connection there for you, Alex.
2: <laughs> uh, Carl, we haven't really got to hear from you too much just yet, like, like at all, outside of just, hi, how are you? Uh, what going to a viewer's perspective, what what stood out to you and what were some of your favorite moments?
0: Yeah, well, OK, first of all, I'm I'm completely content not saying anything and just listening to your guys' stories. That's, that's great for me I'm no we gotta have in. everyone talk here <laughs> um i think so i was six or seven when legends premiered and um so like i i think i was like right at the, the start of the target age group um and i was a huge indiana jones fan yes. and so it felt like an extension of indiana jones to yes. me sure
3: mm-hmm. um, it was
0: and and so, yeah, I, I loved, uh, like, I have very vivid memories of coming home after school and, you know, how every, like, school kid lays on the carpet with their pillow watching TV <laughs> and, um, and just, like, soaking it all in. And mom mom saying, hey, you know, it's time for dinner. Give me 10 minutes. They just hit the tumble run, you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, of course, it, like every Nick kid in the 90s, you know, I was screaming at the TV whenever... You guys couldn't figure out the you know, the silver monkey statue. Yeah. And I'm sure we all would have the same issue, you know. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: Turn it around. It's upside down. <laughs> yeah. I I think one time someone was trying to assemble the monkey and the pieces actually fell over the the room and I think a temple guard had to throw it back up. I don't yep. know if anyone recalls that. Was it uh, you? Yeah, was it <laughs> <laughs> one of one of many temple guards, I'm sure. Uh, but speaking of temple guards, uh, I would like to hear a little bit more from Mike before we move on. What was it like to wear the costume and like, <laughs> fa- like just experience jumping out in all these random rooms uh, to take kids away into the abyss where they're never seen again?
6: <laughs> well, uh, well, the, the first thing about the, uh, the costume, so there were uh, uh, three temple guards. Uh, God help me, I can't remember their names. I want to say it was Adam and Dennis who were legacy they came in from season one all the way to three uh out in orlando um i had worked for universal studios in the backlot production department and also was picking up different shows and promos and nick studios so just having been around i had the opportunity to come on board for legends um so you can you can tell me in the costume versus uh, adam and dennis because they're the one pack abs and Got bodied by Bud Light and, you know, <laughs> 22 years old. Oh, um, wait a minute. So you're the temple guard
1: where the, like, one. <laughs> no, the, where the time runs out and you're getting up and you're coming through the quicksand bog after the stone wall has been bust open. You're like, yeah, get over here. Time's up. Come on. I got to take you out.
6: So yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, my normal rooms, because I was the new guy. And again, you know, not the most attractive uh, compared to the two uh, Hollywood stuntmen. Uh, they would stick me in the tree uh, quite a bit, so I, I didn't have to actually wear the costume. Like, like get in the tree, and the inside was like all papier mache, so it, it's itchy, it, it scratches, and you got. Sorry
11: stay.
6: about that. Oh no! Hey, great job. Uh, you had to take totally still, or uh, they would have me um, in the in the swamp, which is basically a ball and foam pit, and you would have to lay there, and you have an I uh, an IFR in your ear, and you, know, you hear the, the uh, control room. All right, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming down, he's coming down. Mike, 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 you go, Mike, get him, get him. See, so you, <laughs> you know, You're supposed to get up and, and grab the kid. Well, more than twice, I, like, tackled the kid through the breakaway wall into the next room, you know, trying to get the pennant, so... Uh, and then if it was when all doors open and they're making the run and they come through that room, you're hoping that they're not stepping on you or your junk. while you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, in the ball pit, you don't want a <laughs> ball pit to get the balls.
3: Touche, <laughs>
6: touche, sir. But the, uh, <laughs> to your question, the costume, the costume was just so ridiculous because, uh, you know, you start off when you start off as a temple guard, you're you're one of the stunt spotters on the moat, um, and then after the moat was done, I was to the control room and I would work the lights on the steps of knowledge. So when the kids stepped down, I was the one flipping the switch to the correspondence step. Then you would go to the temple games and you'll see me, you know, khaki shorts and a khaki shirt out there making sure the kids don't fall or, you know, got all the pieces. But then when you go to change, and again, you're working with Nickelodeon tour guides and people you see every day. Well, we go to wardrobe and we literally put on a speedo, uh, a little loin clothy fabric Thing, and then uh, a chest plate and the mask with the feathers. So, the wardrobe ladies, God bless them, they were so great because the costumes would break all the time and they'd have to hot glue it on the spot. But at the end of uh, at the end of the season, we had the uh, Golden Speedo Award for the best best temple guard who treated the uh, wardrobe staff <laughs> the best. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, the yeah, the costume was just ridiculous <laughs> in a word. So. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs>
3: the best. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: broke, Manny. You, you broke. We need a new Kirk.
4: <laughs> no, I'm still here. Three minutes. <laughs>
5: That's not Kirk. Oh, this is a dishonest podcast.
1: <laughs> Josh, come back. You're supposed no, to do all that. We need him.
6: He's gone. Oh. <laughs> He's gone. He uh.
3: Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's back.
6: Favorite moments, you know, honestly, I, I loved all of it. I, I really I really dug getting ready for uh, the moat crossing. I typically had silver snakes. That was my my team most of the time. Uh, I had the purple parrots a couple times, but you would pep the kids up before they did that uh, that uh, two-shot of them when they announced them. And I would tell them, like, come on, man, NFL it, like, headbutt, you know, rock star at the camera. And so – it became kind of a thing and we'd all try to outdo each other. And I got chewed out by uh, one of the uh, floor directors like, okay, Mike, calm down. You know, it's, it's not WWF, you know, (laughs) but uh, I I dug that. I really loved doing um, the, uh, the temple games, to be honest with you, being a temple guard was cool, but it it was really intense. You know, uh, Adam and Dennis, the two who, who had been there for the two seasons, it was, you know, second nature to them. For me, you know, stuck in a tree, have to remain like perfectly still while your arms are itching and everything's, you know, you're sweating to death and you, you're, you've you got all that pressure and you hear them coming to you through the earpiece. It's like, okay, okay, they're coming down, they're coming down, Mike, 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 oh, get him, get him, get him, you know, it's like, ah, you just want to make sure you do a good job because if you blow it, literally change the whole shape of the game. So, uh, but uh, overall, I mean, the whole, the whole experience was just incredible. It's, it's one of my, uh, my favorite memories of my, uh, my time doing you know, television and, and film. Uh, you know Overall, my, my entire resume, that's definitely, definitely one of the highlights, if not the highlight, uh, including all my time at Nickelodeon.
1: Sounds like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, basically. Absolutely, on, absolutely. Well, uh, Nick and Josh, I know we, we've covered a lot of your ground in our uh, season two special, the, the Legends to the End, Hidden Temple Legacy. Um, Where you, you promised we would meet the real Kirk. We tried. (laughs) I sent out so many messages. We tried,
5: man. We tried. I think think your Kirk is terrific. Your Kirk Kirk is friendly.
4: I told you it wasn't gonna work. (laughs) (laughs) Come back,
5: back, discount Kirk. Let's let's do a high five. Let's do a high five.
1: (laughs) Fail. You, you have you guys seen the show before actually getting on the show, or did you just kind of blindly sign up for it? I did, but Nick had
12: not. Yeah, I was season one, so it didn't exist. I think John uh also he was season one so we were literally coming into it completely blind blind (laughs) yeah and not even knowing uh, just even learning the game and it's like the first time there was any sort of like an elimination style game and that type of thing so yeah we had nothing we were just more confused than anything that's why anyone on season one when they're like the kids are stupid they don't know where they're going or they're they don't know how to put together the monkey that's like we you're seeing everything like everything for the first time so what was your episode number again 16. So that was the fourth day of shooting of the first
5: season. So everyone's like brand new at it since he was episode 16. So that's it's crazy to know the episode numbers. That's why the Paramount Plus order is so neat to watch. Uh but trying to be into it when you're first, you're thinking it's double dare when you're like, "Whoa, this is Yeah, that's why we we're up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I I just thought poor poor John because he went from get the picture. With a fairly, uh, with, and, and like I said, a small set, but you've got Mike O'Malley hosting, and he was he was he just as chaotic as he as he was on Guts for when you did get the picture.
9: He was actually just larger than life. He was a really nice guy. I mean, overall, I mean, he tried to keep everybody calm. And here I am, only 11 years old and nervous as heck, answering questions wrong, question after question, and just trying to get an answer out trying to keep my composure standing on top of the footstool trying to be as tall as possible because well i'm only like four foot six or something so they had to put me up but yeah mike was a good dude i mean he no complaints from him
2: i think it's hilarious i love mike if you've heard our guts episode we love mike but i think it's hilarious the fact that he went from a small set with a with we know Michael Malley, big and bit large as life, and then goes to Legends, where the set is bigger and Kirk is much more reserved than what Mike is. Yeah. <laughs> Polar opposites.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he has his share of silly moments too. He, he, he does. It. He does. I
4: jump into the ball pit. Remember that episode? Uh-huh. Grun-
1: yeah. Last episode. Yeah. <laughs> did you get to see him do that? Or is that something they did on the side, Kristen?
10: I. I think I saw him do it. The, really? the ball pit jump? Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, because that was the last episode they filmed for the series at the time before the reboot.
6: Yeah, no, I, I, I in fact, I, I remember that, and I remember uh, one of the promos. One of the things that was cool about Legends is the technology that they had at their disposal was really kind of way ahead of its time. They actually had lipstick cameras on, on a pole, which, you know, back in 95 was not common. So you'll see some shots, just one of the episodes I was watching tonight where... You know, you'll see the camera's view go between some bricks, and then you know, close in on some lizards in the pit, and and that was just somebody with a lipstick camera on the end of a pole, sticking it through. But they did a few chase shots, and Kirk would run and jump into the pit while being chased uh, by the by the camera operator with the lipstick cam. So uh, I do remember he did that a few different times. Uh, Chris, not to, to jump in on you, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the the technology that they had at their disposal with that MTV money was uh, was you know quite impressive for a game. Didn't translate to the prizes, but
1: you know, yeah, no, lipstick. Well, I would have
6: Still taken a lipstick you know? <laughs> camera as a prize. <laughs> they they want a, a box covers? of already <laughs> I've got a toy big red boat, you know, somewhere. <laughs> Get your clothes
7: from Fashion Bug.
6: Yeah.
7: <laughs> Where did they? You come guys don't like you prize? guys don't like strawberry Nesquik. What? No, uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I,
3: it's a fifty
4: dollar savings bond, right? <laughs> uh, not the real thing. No. Oh,
1: that's great oh man where do we go from here
0: were, were, you, were you guys made aware of what the prizes might be
9: beforehand
12: or just you just heard it for the first time
1: on, we the didn't even hear it
9: on production
12: we i did on my um well not through you don't hear the through the whole thing but in the in the tempo run we get to watch the the little they actually knew the three prizes because we watched the whole the, that whole thing. And then uh, in the new one, they were just making them up oh my get gosh. reaction
5: shots. They told yeah. us, yeah, they
7: said, we just need you to react. And they said, get excited. They're like, you're going to win up." Uh, and then they cut to us and we were just like, what? And then when we jumped <laughs> out it was a scooter. I was like, that's actually they didn't, <laughs> they-, they didn't even make it Legends
1: <laughs> themed.
4: They didn't even like have fun with it. They didn't even like joke around, like, "Oh, you win a new car out of cardboard," you know. Well, something like that.
12: well, they kind of did though, because the uh, I think the the losing prize for the Steps of Knowledge in the in the reboot it was like this sports gear, but one of it was like a shirt or something. It says like, "I lost on the Steps of Knowledge." Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. we <laughs> are poking fun. At it. That's a that's souvenir if I've ever seen. cool. <laughs> well,
8: what I loved great. about when 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 I loved about re watching the reboot after we were on is like the, the the team that came in dead last, they just kept their t-shirts. And they had to film the reaction shots. So they're hyping them up in the reaction. They're like, yeah, get excited. You're going to get something really cool. And then you see, you get to keep your t-shirt. And,
3: like, you and then
8: uh, the, the second place, the, the, the Steps of Knowledge prize, was that sports gear. They definitely didn't make that sports gear. So it, if you look, it's just very poorly. It's like
7: Photoshop. Yeah,
8: Photoshop. Like, they, they have a camping work.
7: chair with man's yeah. face on it and like a thermos <laughs> that says Legends on it, but it's like off center. Yeah,
8: <laughs> it was a, it was it was a ride. But yeah, the see go if, if anyone wants to rewatch it, just look at the reactions when someone gets a T-shirt.
1: It's not a normal human reaction. <laughs> yeah,
3: like, <laughs> reacting to the
8: right thing. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I think we can all agree that just being on Legends is the true prize, not exactly what you get from the production team. Experience
9: points.
2: Yes. yes. It's, you're, it's you're, a
12: forever uh, corporate fun fact in an icebreaker that you always have in your back pocket. So <laughs> that,
2: and I think Nickelodeon yeah. games in general were that way. The, that You're not there to get prizes. You're there to play the game. Yeah. Uh, except mm-hmm. double there. I don't... Like double dare to me, like with
12: the obstacle course, like that just kind of, that set the precedent. Everyone thought they were gonna be like, you know, that many prizes, winning that much. Yeah. So, yeah, one
1: one per obstacle, so you get eight total, and then there's like something big at them, and like, everything in between, like
12: that money from the other stuff, and like we didn't even get to like keep because I was first season, so I didn't realize. So I in the back of my head kind of hoped I was like, I've got to get like the other prizes too. I thought like I was like kind of collecting you know my my nesquik and my super tuna fish and yeah no, all the stuff and it's, but yeah no it's just a telescope that's so
0: funny like so from from the perspective of somebody who was watching i i, I didn't realize till now that i ne- like i never cared about the prizes like if i was
12: in your shoes the prize to me would have been the temple run like being able to do the temple run yeah, you think that, and I thought that too. But man, when you get there and they read off my grand prize, and I'm in Orlando, and then they're like, "You want a trip to Busch Gardens,"
3: which is like <laughs> the great. I go there every day. <laughs> yeah, forty miles up
12: the, up the road. <laughs> so yeah, that, the, but you know, you're. I, I mean, Space Camp. That's what it was about. We also yes. we just yeah. want to go to Space Camp. Yeah,
10: I got to go to Mexico. That was really cool. Yeah, that's, going on the trip. That was great especially
4: ones that were not in Orlando. So that's great. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Did you end up keeping any of the the prizes you got, Kristen, other than the trip?
10: Yeah. Yeah. I used the rollerblades all the time. I became a rollerblader after that show and we had the little six in one game table. That was a lot of fun. See some practical prizes are there.
11: (laughs) You know, just from the perspective of, of being part of the creator of the art team, the, bringing visions to life as people, you know, the the viewers and what have you, it just, it touches my heart. And I'm, I'm interested in hearing how about, I, I always liked the, the shows that we created that took you guys into a world that legends particularly did it. I think guts did it in a pretty good way. You know, uh, in my career, I think Pee Wee was a world, you know you could go to and uh, i just wanted to hear how you guys felt about the idea of these worlds that we created and that you wanted to go there
2: speaking as one of the co-hosts i absolutely loved every uh, how different almost every nickelodeon show was uh, especially the game shows because they all had their own character they had their own identity and the especially the game shows were really great about making this environment that kids wanted to be a part of that's why we love to watch them so much and that we wanted to be on them so much i mean even double dare uh, the first first one had this had this great bright colors and this fun set even though it it smelled all the time i'm sure but it, it's my car smelled like that too yeah. <laughs> so <rotten whipped> cream. <laughs> but they, they they were so rich with character the sets and the props and everything about it the sounds the music it it, it fit so well that uh, you wouldn't have to be in it to know what it was as in you wouldn't you could take one piece of every single one of those shows and present it. It could be listen to three seconds of this song or look at one set piece or uh, any random prop. What show was this from? And you would know immediately what it was because it set that scenery so perfect. And it was an environment that not just kids, but adults would want to be there too. I guarantee you.
1: Yeah. Each had a distinct identity to it
2: what about um but you say that and then it just immediately
12: as you're describing that i think you're exactly right but think about like wild and crazy kids how that was like just outside in the park but i can just but they but the way they produce it's the from the music like the wow and and, it's like and the lighting and stuff it's just like it makes you feel like you're in the like like you said it transports you there even like the like the the fantastical worlds like legends where it's all fake, but even that, I'll out in the park as a kid watching that. It just gave that vibe. It wasn't like overproduced. It just felt it's like gritty. You're at the park playing with a bunch of you know other kids. So I mean,
2: it almost that but, almost felt like a giant field trip. I'd go out, yeah.
12: With but the everything fit. So like you said, you're like you watch a show and it's just kind of like you just immersed in it, and it has its own tone. It doesn't feel like you're watching. Another, you know, just another version of another show,
2: and that was part of their thing: was what are some fun things the kids can do outside? Okay, now let's take it to the eleventh degree and make it ridiculous and still fun, and and that was kind of their mentality, I think, for just about every game show that they had.
8: What I will say about Legends in particular, though, uh, because it was set in this kind of fantasy ish setting, it was very, it almost felt like being inside a video game, and I know part of the concept. of the concept was based on you know the creator's love for 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 the legend of zelda and so um like being part of that even in the in the reboot but that's why i loved it as a kid so much was seeing this like fantasy setting i you know i could play it on my nintendo or my playstation but to like live it in real life and do those things and feel like you're part of a story um which i think legends did more than anything else, was each episode was really story-based, which, like, you know, Double Dare and Guts didn't necessarily have that aspect to it. So, like, you really felt you were working towards something, and especially you were working towards that temple and getting that artifact and fulfilling whatever legend it was, and I think that's what made this show in particular really special.
1: That's true. Everyone felt like they were had a shot at being the hero of their own video game, or whatever kind of immersive story you want to imagine. And that was the lure for viewers like Carl, Alex and I, and even Manny as well, where we, we just got sucked into this world with the way it was presented to us, like an ancient forbidden jungle temple that we couldn't access any other way, but we wanted so badly to un- uncover all the different secrets. And because of the sheer amount of episodes they produced, it was like 120 in total, plus I think 13 reboot episodes, there was always something new to keep it interesting or like different room configurations with different artifacts. So it's like each time you peel back a layer of the onion that just kept on giving you more and more layers of rich history that you couldn't help but just be a part of that lore in some way, either you know from the TV screen or even in the, the soundstage at uh, Nick Studios. What I loved about the show, like just, When you're thinking, like, Legends of the Hidden
4: Temple, you already know what you're in for. Especially, like, the opening, with it, like, going through the woods and the jungle, and then seeing, yeah, seeing Olmec's face, you know you're just in for it. And it's like, even if you're, like, you know, streaming it, and you're like, it's 1am and I should probably go to sleep. Oh no, Olmec. is great. So, it's just something about it, and Alex really explained it really well about, like, putting you in this world and universe. It's just amazing. Like this Aztec temple, when really in reality, it's just a soundstage. But just with the lighting, with the sound and the music, it just makes you just, I don't know. It gives you that sense of, like, excitement no matter what. And it doesn't feel like a game show. It feels more like just a
1: story. Interactive
2: story. It's kind of like, I mean, going to things like this, it's kind of like watching a puppet show. Because you know it's a puppet. And you know it's just somebody manipulating the puppet. I mean, Olmec himself is essentially a giant puppet. He is. Yeah. It's it's brought to life, and through this, through the characters and and wonderful performances, and even though you're just watching a puppeteer and a puppet, you're not watching the puppeteer. You're watching the puppet, and you are willing to disbelieve all reality and just go into this this what is going on with this one puppet and that's the same mentality whenever we go to like disney world we know these characters are just people in suits but we're willing to go along with it and just suspend our reality and go into a fictitious beautiful world and it's the same with nickelodeon and these in these shows even though we you know you're at a sound studio you're but you're not you're you're in this really awesome aztec temple and then there's Omek. It's not a puppet. It's Omek, and all these wonderful things. And then uh, a, a temple guard and a tree who will attack you.
11: <laughs> an itchy, an itchy temple guard. Itchy temple guard. He's just trying to scratch
1: himself. He's not trying to grab you. Come, on, come on back, <laughs> Mike.
2: I know. My elbows you... don't bend. <laughs> Please, somebody.
4: Now, Mike, you told a story once where um, you were like this and it was going up into your armpits
6: yeah, yeah. is that what it was doing okay. yeah yeah it was uh yeah it's uh it, let's just say it was an awkward fit it was built for a hollywood stuntman not a uh, body by bud light 22 uh, year old so uh yeah <laughs> there was a, a lot of chafing <laughs> <I'll just say. laughs>
4: um were there any like wild parties you know from the temple guards or olmec or anybody
6: well they invited us to them as kids but that was weird <laughs> not on the not on the regular but the the rap party um we had in downtown orlando at a uh, a laser tag uh kind of an adult laser tag called QZar. and uh it, it became a kind of like full contact laser tag <laughs> we'll just say with, but uh yeah we, I mean, we I, were pretty rock and roll back then yeah yeah.
11: <laughs> yeah it was uh it was pretty rough the art department guys we were we were we were pretty party yeah. that's awesome not that's on great. property
1: but right off property oh yeah <laughs> no, the parking lot
3: <laughs> that was a long walk man that was a long walk
1: <laughs> have any of you guys um had any interactions with kirk or d outside of the filming of the show at all like
6: on the set uh no i i, I have not uh, i've i've gone to a couple of uh cons uh where d was there but outside of like oh there's d but uh you know, he wouldn't remember me. It's it's you know, twenty eight years ago. I'm just like, Oh yeah, okay, you were Temple Guard, good, here, sign, fifty dollars. <laughs> I reached out to Kirk as a kid. It was like the one celebrity, if you will,
5: that I could find on uh uh probably when Google first came out or something. Uh, and i remember calling and saying can i can i send uh money for an autograph and he was very sweet and said yes i don't i don't think i ever followed through with it but he said you could send him money for an autograph i, I, I <laughs> think I, 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 <laughs> I think i felt bad about postage i was raised uh in a postage appreciation <laughs> oh don't
4: worry about it i'll sign it send it to me
6: <laughs> <laughs> you have a all good right announcer here voice for you way. buddy
4: i'm right here
6: it was cool to see him in the movie, uh, the, the, the movie that they did, the Nickelodeon movie. It was cool to see Kirk back in that. I, th- I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah,
1: they made the temple an uh, amusement park ride, and uh, a kid and his sister, like, went inside, and a lot of the rooms, they weren't the same as the game show, but it was actually made to feel like a real temple, so they even had, like, the different colored animals to represent the different teams there, and, they, of course, they had the silver monkey to tie everything together to get to the end and there's a few temple guards chasing them uh, so I thought it was interesting to see it from a more painted realistic perspective
2: someday we're gonna have to do an episode on that uh, on that movie
4: they make Olmec a god and it was it's really cool writing his own mythology like oh this is his son and this is his evil son so I thought that was done really well Not it was mention, way
6: better man. than it had any right to be I I, I watched it for nostalgia's sake but it was entertained at the end of it so <laughs> That was very
2: much the mentality that I had, because my, my son watched it. And of course, he knows I do this podcast and, and I was all about 90s Nickelodeon things anyway. He said, Dad, did you know they made a Legends of the Hidden Temple movie? Yes, I did. Have you watched it? No, I watched it. It was really good. I think you'll like it. Can we watch it? OK, and I wasn't even halfway through and I looked over at my wife going, this is actually really good.
1: It makes me wish they uh, turned the studio set into an actual amusement park ride. Just imagine how many fans who are in their 30s now would pay money just to run through a variation of the Temple now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Gangbusters. With the way
4: uh, haunted houses are nowadays, you figured, Mm -hmm. like, that would be perfect for that.
2: Yeah.
4: Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do it because I'm a scaredy cat, so.
2: (laughs) Brett and and I have been saying for a while, uh, well, I have been saying I really want Splat Attack to get successful enough that we can start having our own cons Uh, the first podcast to have their own con and uh what i would love to do is have a touring hidden temple that people could go through oh boy it would be a logistical nightmare i know but it would be so cool some
11: inflatables maybe in yeah inflatable show. temple <laughs> you, you
1: bounce you bounce your way past the temple guards to get the artifacts never mind try and dodge them find, find
2: those old uh, find find like the, the the business suites where they used to have discovery zones and and just and
6: repurpose those as uh, hidden temple playgrounds. I think you're on to something. Well, if you promise not to have the trees, I'm in.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of Hidden Temple, I'm curious, what are each of your favorite rooms uh, of the Hidden Temple and if you have any meaning tied to them? Uh, Because we've definitely seen various layouts of the temple throughout the three seasons and the reboots. Um, So I'm wondering if any of them really resonate with you, whether you actually went into the temple or you just like the look of it or you saw other contestants you liked... Uh, run through it that had a cool mechanism. Share your thoughts, any of you.
8: I mean, for me, it was always the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, because and I'm sure that's going to be, like, one of yeah. the more popular answers. But I mean, that was the one that you, when you're watching it, you're always getting so frustrated at those kids. Like, put it together, man. But then, you know, I mean, we didn't get to the temple. But I saw it, and I was like, there it is. I probably wouldn't be able to put it together if I went up there myself right now. Did um, it? Sh-
1: <laughs> Did it shock you that it was on a third floor instead of a second floor this time around? It was
8: pretty wild. And they had this like mannequin in one of the rooms. And that, that was a brand new room from, from the original one. And from far away, it looked like it was just someone standing there. Uh, <laughs> so it was a little bizarre seeing that one. <laughs>
12: You know, Josh is the only one to do it twice to put the Silver Monkey together twice. Oh, I thought you meant oh, the man yeah. that killed oh, yeah. no, like no, <laughs> <laughs>
1: that oh, one looked Lord. equally tough though. When I saw the reboot, the the Queen's Armory, because instead of three pieces, it's five different ones. And it you had was to put
12: them- a nightmare. It was it was the worst. I and, and you're so winded by the time you get there. Up up like i was like moving like my brain was moving twice as fast as my body in, the, in that one you could hear people like oh you know like him yelling like oh come on come on it's dead silent dead dead silent unlike the original when like john and, and uh all of all the, those of us who ran the first one where it's like you get the crowd as long as unless they went home for the day but the crowd screaming you hear the music you hear kirk it's like a, this burst of energy you're young but in the, in the reboot, it, it was just—it was awkward. It was like it was like a run through. It's like you're like it was just crickets, and then was you look, you're like go and you're, it's like if you if you're on TikTok or anything like that squeaky shoe sound like, like that's, that's all you hear is just like quiet and it's so by the time you get up there all you could hear is yourself breathing in the queen's armory and dying and I was praying for a temple guard.
4: Was it awkward with the with the head cam? Was it awkward with that?
12: A little. I mean, I didn't really notice it. It didn't really like, uh, but they, they must have been some kind of tech thing because they only did it for the first few that that went. And then they just I guess gave up on it.
2: Brett, I am terrible with the names. I, I always am terrible with the room names. What was the, the room what that? Uh, Jason had to use the dog leash to pull the, the rope. Oh, that
1: to? that's the pit. The pit. <laughs> OK, yeah,
2: so, the easiest one. I, I always loved whenever they had the rope in the pit. Because, like, Carl... Too many people in, failed. <laughs> Indiana Jones, it was my absolute favorite hero of all time until James Bond in the, in the late 90s for me. But to see whenever somebody, like you said, they failed, but whenever someone was able to do that, actually hold to the rope and swing from one end to the other, I got so excited. Like To me, they had just won the temple already, because that is so cool.
1: It's their final moment of escape, and once they get over that chasm, it's smooth sailing through the crypt and down the steps. Um, I've, I've definitely seen my share of wipeouts in that pit because even though it looks like there's a lot of space, there's there's a lot of stuff to wade through, whether it's like styrofoam peanuts in season one or like green balls in season two. And then in season three, it got a little bit elongated with a column that you had to knock over with like a weird wooden cylinder on a on a rope, so. Yeah. The Pit it, and the
6: Pendulum, yeah. Yeah,
1: it, it's like yeah. an equalizer whether you get into the temple or get out because it takes, it takes some quick thinking to maneuver it without slowing down too much. And there's definitely been a handful of temple runs where, you know, you think you're gonna, they're going to make it out with the artifact, but as soon as they get in the pit, they either like fall down or take the bottom route instead of the top route, and it, you just lose all that time before the very end.
4: I mean, remember the elevator from Season 1? That took forever.
1: <laughs> yeah, the with the well and then the mine shaft, they both yeah. had that mechanism. It took at least 25 seconds to get up, I counted. Now, that
12: was where Josh was, uh, where he, like, he was stretching, like, he was waiting. And and they they thought, and remember he said that uh, he thought, like, people watched and they think that they cheated because, like, they stopped the the elevator so he couldn't reach it. But there was, like, the piece on there, you have to hold it. Yeah,
5: it came up on the two-handed actuator.
12: So So, like, when he was reaching for the thing, so he kind of stopped it himself, but... I just said but had it's laugh. so
5: much like being in a movie to give credibility to Davey and the other production crew it's like you hear that music to Nick's point point in season one so you hear that music running out as well as the countdown pre-recorded or actually there uh so cool as a kid same with Shrine of the Silver Monkey everything's lit like a treasure there's your golden idol from Indiana Jones such credibility given just from the set alone much less the production value on the music and all that
1: yeah it definitely does it justice
2: You were talking about the music, and I'm going to put it in this episode. I don't think I've put it in previous episodes, but I know that I had told Brett this before. I would love to ask the composer if one of the Temple Game songs was influenced from Bat-Dance.
6: I was just going to say, did you like the bootleg (laughs) Bat-Dance? Because that's what, for for anyone who does not
2: know, Bat-Dance was a song from Prince from 89 Batman, and one of the Temple Game's is exactly like it so uh, I'll play a little bit of both right here
1: Imagine, imagine Prince playing the Temple Games.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. every, every
4: dance move will be a will be heading into a room. Right.
2: The pit will be all purple. <laughs> but but
1: getting back to the rooms, um, what are some silver of the others?
4: Monkey, silver monkey, of <laughs> monkey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what were some of your other uh, favorite rooms?
7: I um I really loved when they I don't know if it was the second or third season when they introduced the heart room.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that was, was cool so one.
7: like dazzling to me because like once the lights like lit up and the sound, I was like whoa. And also, whenever I thought it was so, like I used to watch it and be like, I would be scared of that room in this room because if a guard comes and gets you, like if you're sitting down and the guard comes in and they grab you from behind, I was like, oh, I would just have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, that's no. why they call it the, so, heart room. <laughs> the heart room. Yeah. But that was, a, I was like, wow, that's so visually stunning. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: I, i'm a i'm a fan of the heart room as well because not only is it statistically one of the hardest rooms to get an artifact out of i think only yeah it, i think only two of them got taken out the lucky pillow of uh, annie taylor and the muscle shell armor of ack Nubak. Akpun- pack sorry butchered that um it, there's a lot of versatility to it too because they still kept the same like heart a mural painting on the on the wall, but they changed a lot of the mechanisms for it. Like sometimes it became Medusa's Lair where they put a head on the front and you, you have to put the snakes in. Sometimes it became the Room of the Fallen Columns where you have to go through like a bunch of boxing, punching cylinder type things. And then other times it ha- had like the giant mandarin hand that you had to like put the fingers on the globe to maneuver. So it always kept you guessing and somehow it just brought the, the whole layout of the temple together no matter who had the maneuver around it or through it.
5: I think the Jester's Court was cool. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it would go right, in. and I heard that mm-hmm. there's still to this day a kid stuck in there. Oh my god! Uh, oh, she's yeah. frozen on the buttons. I uh, can't pry her off. Oh, she won't even blink. There she is starstruck
3: from the podcast. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I think King's storeroom was cool to
6: trust kids to break some clay. That, yeah. yeah, The armory, the armory was always one of my favorites. Where they had to, to pull the arms down and yeah, uh, but yeah, but that was always.
4: I want to yeah. piggyback on that answer right there. I love the heart room as well, but that room from season three had to be the most scariest. Cause imagine you just pulling that down and then you're getting grabbed. Yeah,
12: yes, that—that <laughs> that, I was going to say that's the worst part, like out of all the places to, to put the temple guard, like that oh, had man. to be the most terrifying. What
4: about that one temple guard that yelled like that? <laughs> There was a guy that did that
12: when heard. did that happen it's happened. i
4: think it's on season one or season two but there, there see, is that would be
1: fog you have and offended have us, us.
4: there is one that has
1: that, that that's probably why they replaced the temple guard with like a sound effect they would press on the switchboard brain, so that brain. Brain.
3: Where,
4: watch the show i promise it's there
2: man <laughs> in, in Every time I see the temple guard come out, and they didn't even do it in the show because it wasn't a thing yet, but I always hear the witch doctor from Crash Bandicoot every single time they show up.
3: Yeah, Aku (laughs) Aku.
1: Maybe they're related.
3: (laughs) It could
4: be. It's a ghost of a temple guard. Is it a ghost
2: of you? Did uh, did any of you see on on the splat whenever they had someone dressed as a temple guard and was going through the office, scaring all the staff members?
3: Yeah. (laughs)
5: I remember there was a Stick Stickly episode where he went from the hallways of Nickelodeon into stage 18 when Legends was shooting, but I can't find that at all online either. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I made
11: Stick Stickly.
5: Whoa, Whoa goodness.
3: That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
5: hey, dude, I have Davy's all kinds, of, s- have all kinds of drawings.
3: Is. What's
5: that? <laughs> I said you were the for I, I think I respect everyone's presence, but I think we will all agree that you're the star of this podcast here.
1: Absolutely, the Wavy Davy show. Seriously,
5: <laughs> no, no.
4: you made it's, all of Nickelodeon. I mean, seriously, the well,
3: backdrop
7: of our all of our youth.
3: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yes,
11: it's, it's cool to you know, they you like I think I've said it more than once. It's you, you as an artist, you want to touch people's hearts, and you know, it seems like we
2: got to you guys somehow. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, the the moment, because well, you you can think Mark, Mark Wiener, because when we did an episode with him, he said, you've got to get Wavy Davy. You, you've got to get him next time we do an episode. And uh, he was telling us some of the things you did. And I, and I said, oh, man, we've got to have David on some at some point. And when we did the Wienerville episode that you were a part of, and I was telling Brett, he's done so many other wonderful things on the show. We're going to have to have David on again, and, and we're just going to have to keep having the man on because one of the things that we saw on Nickelodeon as kids was they had a great way of incorporating some of those iconic characters in other areas of Nickelodeon. So like Melissa Joan Hart, we saw her everywhere outside of just Clarissa. Uh, she was he did so many commercials, and then they did the same thing with the cast of all that, and Danny Tamborelli, and then they would start doing all these other crossover things and and crossover events. But what we what we don't see is all the people behind the scenes who have had their fingers in so many different pies that Nickelodeon had uh, their their cream pies. I mean, Mark Summers was everywhere, but we didn't we didn't know that. The guy who made Omic also made Stick Stickly and also was had uh, worked on Guts, and also worked on Wienerville, and also did all these awesome, awesome things. And like I said earlier, with 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 puppets, they become synonymous with that show. Uh, Omic has become synonymous with it, and yes, that they are absolute core memories for us uh, because we we see Omek But what we remember is exactly what Carl was saying, not not getting home fast enough to sit down and jump into this world and and put away school and put away home and and dive into something that is wholesome and fun and in, in a way clean, in a way very messy. But but you've been able to help make this fully realized for us and then whenever we go back with our our adult lives now which good or bad they're adult lives now and then we see omeg on paramount plus and then we're instantly back to i can't wait to get home from work and sit down and watch this with my kids and get back into this world again so yes you you have absolutely created or co-created Some wonderful, wonderful memories for us that we cannot even begin to say thank you enough for, uh, not just with Olmec, but with so many other things as well. So when Josh says you you are the star of this podcast or this episode, he's not wrong because you have done some wonderful stuff. And we will always be very grateful for all the things that you've done behind the scenes and made such wonderful things for us to enjoy. I, I appreciate that very much. That's kind words.
11: Uh, you know what a what a blessing it is, and you know, to think that that you guys carry those little things all the time, and little triggers will take you there. That's so cool, that is so so beautiful. I, I I wonder if the next generations are getting those little things or not.
8: I mean, my my son is. I mean, I'm already. I, I, I'm honestly think thanks for Paramount Plus because. All of that stuff. He's now watching like old Nickelodeon stuff and getting into that. So the fact that I get that stuff with him, and you know, he's only two and a half, but <laughs> it's pretty cool that he's he's able to see it.
7: <laughs> so my son is—he's uh, gonna be nine soon—and we, I'm really—I'm a very nostalgic person, so we watch a lot of shows from like my childhood. So he's been watching like old episodes. Um, of legends that we could find on like youtube for the last few years so when i found out that i like was like i was potentially going to be on the show and stuff he told like everybody at his school and none of the kids knew the show and he was like you guys don't watch legends and i was like what they are not children they were not born in the 80s and i was like and they don't have weird moms like this who were like no new stuff old stuff only so he and it's it's just really rad because he loved the old show and then he watched the new one and he said like most people said he was like, "Listen, mom, I love you, and you did awesome, but I really like the original better." And I was like,
3: oh, <laughs> Fair, um, enough, "Fair enough, bro. Yeah. Fair at least, enough."
1: At least you got got him raised on a quality classic Nickelodeon television, because I feel like all of us, not just Alex and I, running this podcast, we kind of have an obligation to present. Um, the history of Nickelodeon to the next generation, and not really convince them, but help them understand why it's so meaningful and special to us, because today, everything is just easily at your fingertips, and there's just a million different shows on a million different platforms. How do you distinguish and parse it all and, and connect with anything when it's just a constant smattering of media? But at least back then, we had that opportunity and the space to really see the identity of each individual show and really appreciate it for what it had to offer us so because we had that experience that we lived through it it seems like a a responsibility to share with younger generations so they could understand why it matters to us and why it should continue to matter to future generations as well
12: Brett, that was going to make that point actually about the 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 why it's like my darn obviously you can watch whatever you want whenever you want stream everything but in the 90s and that's what made it Everybody had this, you know. You just watched what was on TV at 5:30 or 6 o'clock or whatever time, you know. Legends was on, and you everybody was watching Nickelodeon. Everybody is watching the same show. So if you talked about it later, you're all talking about the same episode. And you're, oh, did you see what happened, you know, last night? Or, or even if it was like all that or whatever it is, those shows aired when they aired, and that's all you had to watch. And there weren't a ton of kids, you know, networks at that time or things to, you know, watch, especially in the evening. So we're all watching the same thing. So I feel like that that's what brought us as a community together. And I'm of course pushed my daughter to watch it. And she has a blue Barracuda and a silver snake shirt. And so she's into it and she acts embarrassed, but then she'll casually bring it up to people randomly. So I'm like, (laughs) so she's, she's, uh, she's too cool to admit that it's cool. But um, the one thing I was, I was going to bring up also, when we are talking about uh, what made legends unique and special and, and, in addition to all the other parts, I feel like it did one thing that no other show did, which was instead they had teams and they had tribes. And and so they had all the, you know, everybody, all the kids watching, you had someone to root for. You didn't have to get to know someone and like the team. Like if I watch you know, Guts, okay, red team, blue team, okay, Josh the Jet is cool or something, but it's not like you're, I'm not going to be like, I'm team blue. And so, you know, everybody... You know, associate, you know, there's a lot of stuff now on like Twitter or whatever where people would be like, you know, I don't care about your horoscope, but your Legends of the Hidden Temple team. <laughs> <laughs> Those types of things. Like, p- people don't do that about any other show. It wasn't like, oh, who's your Double Dare team, blue or red? I mean, it's, like, this is everybody buys, share, everybody associates and they're die hard, ride or die, except for us, which we've sold out our original teams. But, <laughs> but, uh, you know, everybody's ride or die with their teams. And I think that that's awesome and so unique. I can't think of any other show that does that. Where they at least back then, where you know you had a team like, like a sports team almost to to yeah. root for. Yeah, it's it's another
1: it's another layer of that lore that's built into the show where you can you can connect with the tribes even if you're watching at home. Like even when I talked about it in um, top five uh, game shows uh, over on Patreon, uh, Legends was my number one because when I saw the temple run of the. The headdress of Lawrence of Arabia being completed. That was like the first temple victory i ever saw. And for some reason I just embodied I, I really appreciated like the tenacity and the speed of of that green monkey who made it all the way through with his teammate. And that's where that moment where you you, you start to connect the traits that you have in yourself with the people. You identify
7: with a team. You're like, oh silver snakes are always kind of sneaky, but they're fast and like purple pictures are always really funny. And yeah, like, or like my the blue bear like, oh, that's
1: are very smart. So you, you kind of form this this lore in your head, filling in the gaps and giving them personality types so that you feel like a sense of belonging even if you're not, you know, there in person and participating. And that's that's where it kinda of goes that's the point where it goes beyond being a game show and, mm. and be becoming a legend of itself now thirty years later.
2: <laughs> it would be today's equivalent of which Hogwarts House are you? Yes. Yes.
7: Yes you know, literally, that's, that's, that's what I was
9: thinking. Yeah. Which mascot, which icon. Mm-hmm.
7: I'm also Slytherin, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I, I have, have a question. Sure. I have a question. So, if you competed as a kid, did they give you guys options? Did they ask you what team you wanted to be, or did they just assign you a team? Like they just assigned it, right?
12: They assigned it, and your partner. Yeah, you showed up, and you met some awkward stranger, and your. And <laughs> they were and like, "Okay,
7: you're, you're friends now," because <laughs> they asked <laughs> us what team. But we never saw what each, each your... other. We
10: never saw each other after the show. Right, like, really? Oh. Oh. Yeah,
1: oh. it's a very. Josh
3: limited Nick to find. exception.
8: Yeah, well, I think that's kind of what uh, the magic of it was too. From a from someone who watched it and what didn't participate in the original, is you just thought those two that that pair were f- best friends. Like I always thought, like oh, those two kids, they must be best friends. Like they're they make a great team. So like to know later, like oh, they didn't know each other and they did not hang out afterward. It's like you'd never know you'd never know
6: (laughs) you'd you'd actually we would actually have some pairings where uh the the chemistry was lacking from jump street you know you'd have a a team put together and they just white hot hated each other and you you hear one kid like just cussing out the other kid while he's running through the temple and you know failing miserably yeah there there (laughs) is this
4: there is this internet story where there was a girl that was on season one i forgot what the episode was um, but she was the one that was scared to death of the temple guards. Literally when the temple guard came out, she screeched, like screamed. but she said that her partner was, I quote, an abject idiot.
1: Oh, so wow. it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's
4: a good example of how everybody really didn't get along. <laughs>
3: sometimes. <Yeah.
1: laughs> and sometimes it reflects in the temple run too, depending on the routes they take or if they trace someone's steps or even make it to the artifact.
0: Were were your parents allowed on set at all? Like, did, did they have a say? My, you know, were their stage moms? My kid needs more screen time, or you need to give them another chance.
6: If if they had the if they had the audience in on three, if the if the if they didn't release the audience for the day, they could sit in the audience area. But a lot of times, the tapings would run past park hours, um, so they'd release the audience and just pipe in the applause. But no, parents uh, had to stay pretty much in the green room uh, during during my season.
5: Yep, exactly. They were in a, one of the production buildings nearby, exactly um, where they were seeing the feed for the day. So um, they were able to watch it. But I guess that parents, they were just worried that parents would be too crazy from the crowd, perhaps.
1: It'd be like don't don't attack my kid, and then you see someone bum rush the audience and go straight into the dark forest to punch the tree over.
2: Pepper Step spray first. The first <laughs> first. Well, in in the slimed book that uh, Matthew Klickstein had wrote, uh, there were quite a few people who've worked with Nickelodeon who have. I mean, they have a whole section devoted to parents, uh, where people who've worked on Nickelodeon talk about that's one of their that was one of their biggest obstacles. Uh, especially for game shows. But Jeffrey Darby talked about it uh, pretty much at length, uh, whenever he was talking about, you can't do that on television and people who the the kids he would have on and the parents would do exactly what you were talking about, Carl, I, my kid needs more screen time. And uh, oftentimes, according to Jeffrey, uh, that they weren't necessarily auditioning the children. They were auditioning the parents uh, because if the kids were fine. How are the parents going to behave? And if the parents were morons or jackasses or divas, then they wouldn't hire the kid. Uh, And that was just for a a sketch comedy show. And uh, I think they talked about that also for Wild and Crazy Kids, uh, although that wasn't necessarily something they had a whole lot of because parents were just happy to have the kids get out of the house and, and go outside and play for the day. But that is definitely something that they kept top of mind of not having parents get in the way of production so that way the kids could do what they want to do, they could have a good time, but also they can still keep the show going because it takes one bad parent to slow production down.
11: Yeah. Parent you know, game show game shows were totally one thing, but then and then but then the other shows like all that and all I you know, we I got to know Keenan Keenan and Kel's mom pretty well. They were
6: they were part of the family. So Elisa Reyes' mom, she was pretty cool too. She used to uh she used to hang out with the crew quite a bit on that one. I was Kirk's mom. Was, was she cool? <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
3: no. Well, Take her into that. the temple. She was a
4: really, really nice woman.
3: I mean, we're she raised me, right? She raised me with
4: a microphone in my hand. No, and I was just born to be staff. an announcer. It was great.
1: I, I have a question for all you guys uh, while we're best, laughing it up.
2: Best question for the night.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing many of you have seen multiple episodes other than your own after, you know, your experience. Um, if you were to be on a different episode of Legends and or on a different team, which ones would you pick and why?
12: I would have loved to have been on season three. After being on season one, I probably would have, I thought it would, I, I'm jealous of season three, like the, like their temple games, like they're just everything The the temple was every, everything was, uh, you know, cooler. Like they get to wear jeans in the temple, not like sweatpants over tacky shorts, over a swimsuit, over yeah, like your what was more money that? Like, <laughs> like
3: why did they like, have
4: you change your pants? They
12: just kept putting on layers. I don't know, we're kids, we couldn't take our pants off, I guess. So like that <laughs> must have been like... <laughs> I mean
4: the yellow matches the helmet really well. So
12: Yeah, but it was like yeah and then the pink like the I don't know if they still wore pink water socks in the uh in the third season, but everything about it was um I mean different it was cooler it was mtv you know free like it, it was just different so like i said from season one i don't care which episode it was i thought it would have been cool to to be on like season
5: three when they season three seemed like the perfect mix of season one and season two where season one was that steady you know the big camera kind of shoot season two is crazy mtv and then we had that finesse in season three artistically when you go back and view like the later episodes even the swooping shots in the moat in the beginning and all, all the time they had to be more creative since they'd already based each other season and its experience so that the set's overgrown and beautiful foliage and the camera works crazy so i think yeah season three of any episode would have been cool to be in oh, yeah
4: even on the steps of knowledge you get to see the fog coming out of the you know the ceiling cool. yeah that's Indeed. true and all
1: the all the tiki torches with the respective uh team emblems behind them that was a nice added uh production effect
12: but or the final episode like uh um shoot i'm so sorry i forgot your name uh but uh yeah kristen like i mean being having like a like a like a a famous episode like that you know the first episode the last episode um that that's just something to yet another thing to tout yeah so i
10: think yeah yeah i mean at the time taping it i didn't know well i think i remember there's there's some some talk of it being the final, but like, it was my first time, so that's that's the excitement, right? But I think everyone was really wanting to help make it go out in a bang.
12: Oh yeah, I didn't think about that, the crew and everything just kind of going going harder on that on that last episode, that would've been really cool.
10: Mike, it's so fun to, to see you and to hear your experience of it. And I was gonna say, I think the forest was like the scariest room, um, to imagine like a tree hugging me so I think you did a
6: great job. Yeah, I've had some nightmares from it. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> never mind hugging a tree; the tree hugs you. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> no, but it, it really was a great crew. There, and there was a lot. There was a ton of talent on it. A lot of them have gone on to do, uh, you know, a lot of great work in the production community. You know, some well, obviously, you know, D being obviously the probably the 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 leader of that pack. But uh, a lot of the the camera folks have gone on to do uh, all sorts of ENG electric news gathering for various networks, but yeah, it was just, it was a great time, a great team. Uh, you know, you really had a sense of family, uh, you know, showing up every day and doing, you know, four shows a day. And it was just, it, it, it was a, one of the best times of my life to be quite honest.
1: So final final question of the night. Um, so we have enough energy for our segment later on. Um, was there any particular artifact that, or legends uh, associated with an artifact that really drew you into the show more than any other?
7: Um- Is it the Galileo's Cannonball? Was that one? I don't know why. I just thought that was so cool. Like, so, so cool as a kid. That was the
1: one when uh, Jim and John got up with one second on the clock uh, when he retrieved the Cannonball from the dungeon.
2: As a kid, I couldn't tell you a single main artifact. Uh, Then when I got back into it as an adult, the one that always comes to mind is Buddha's Belly Button.
1: Yes, I was just going (laughs) to say that. What? what Why? what is with some of the artifacts based on like really weird body pieces? Like there, there were hands sometimes. There the was monocle. eyes, The helmet. Heads. Yeah, uh, the
6: yeah. bifocal monocle. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> they had the eye in it still. Yeah. Did they rip it out of the guy?
6: <laughs>
1: oh, oh, the dead th- man's
4: hand, which was just a deck of cards.
1: Oh yeah, that was that was a
4: twist.
12: <laughs>
1: what were you gonna say, Nick?
12: No, I was gonna ask, and I think it's Mike about. With the especially on the first season when they had like it looked like obvious stage hands standing there with like and during the, the during the legends like they would be like it would be like horribly racially inappropriate like because they would never look they but they would just be like a white guy and no it didn't matter what the legend was it would you know where they show oh, the, the
3: actors oh yeah, yeah the and actors
12: and yeah the that's what I mean yeah fog thing. yeah and like the thing that which they stopped doing I think after season one but I was gonna ask like were those like also stage hands or did they have to like hire other like People to, to do those
10: weren't those weren't those the moms and dads
12: <laughs> gave them something to do on, on the yeah. Yeah.
1: Watch this, <laughs> they were all Dee Bradley Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, in season two and three, when the legend was going, yeah,
4: <laughs> there is a there is a rap, um there is a rap tape of season one. I don't know if anybody's seen it. Um, it shows like a behind the scenes thing. It's like five minutes long, but it shows some of the actors getting into those costumes to be in the legend and some of them are like uh pas and production assistants that are like way off in the side after they do the temple run so it's cool to see that
6: yeah they they recycled uh, the stunt spotters uh as much as they could because you know obviously there's six of them you know going for the moat and then for the steps it was just me flipping switches but then there were four of us for the various temple games and sometimes they'd bring out the two original temple guards also so it'd be anywhere from four to six, but it would all pull from that pool of the uh, spotters on the uh, moat crossing. Oh,
2: hmm. cool. All right. We've had a lot of <laughs> a lot of great stories with these guys. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I'm, we've got a whole lot more episode to share with all of you. So before we get too involved with other things that we're going to share with all of you, we're going to cut to a commercial break. We're going to step out of the mode. We're gonna stop the temple games for a bit and we're gonna gather our pendants and we'll be right back just after a little bit of other things that we've got going on in this spot attack. So be right back. Legends of the Hidden Temple will be right back on Nick. Thank you all so much for entering the temple with us for this 30th anniversary episode. While you're here, please hit the like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. If you are listening on a podcast app, please leave us a review where possible. These very simple actions help others who are missing those good old temple runs find this nostalgic content so they can relive their childhood as well. So, small thing on your part, big thing for us. You guys are awesome. Thank you all for your support.
1: Tune in next time, Slimesters, when we take a secret shortcut out of the Hidden Temple and into Rocco's house at O-Town to celebrate another special occasion with Rocco's Modern Life's 30th anniversary. It's going to be tons of fun recalling the show's history with our special guests, so you won't want to miss all the zany, crazy, wild Rocco action. You can find all the nostalgiarific moments only here on Splat Attack.
2: What happens whenever you get a witch, a bat, a dragon, and a singing trio of statue fish? You get Eureka's Castle! Please join us over on Patreon as we talk about Nick Jr.'s first TV series, Eureka's Castle, and we are going to be joined by some of the original cast, and I say some, it won't be just one guest. This is definitely going to be an episode that Nick Jr. fans are going to want to check out. So join us over on Patreon, patreon.com splatattack to get access to this episode, as well as a backlog of many episodes exclusive to our Patreons. Remember that Olmec coin bank from Nick Box? Or the pint glass? Or the wall decals, or the coasters, all from Nickbox. Well, isn't that a shame that Nickbox is no longer around? If only there was something else out there for some good old Nick merch. Spot Attacks got you covered. We have brand new t-shirts, two exclusive to Legends of the Hidden Temple. We have a Silver Monkeys t-shirt and an Olmec t-shirt, and we also just released a Nickelodeon Blimp t-shirt. And we have t-shirts for all kinds of different things, also including Stick Stickly, which Wavy Davy also designed. So head over to our bonfire, go to bonfire slash store slash splat attack store, hyphens in between. Let's take a look at what shirts that we have available, as well as some coffee mugs. If there is a design that you would like, shoot us a message, let us know what you would like, and we'll do our very best. So don't let the cancellation of Nickbox get you down. There's still plenty of Nick merch out there. Head over to our bonfire and make your choice. The choices are yours and yours alone. And now back
11: to Legends of the Hidden Temple, only on Nickelodeon.
2: All right, we've got our pendants ready, and we've got our guards in and helmets ready and we're ready to do this temple run so before we really get into more with our guests uh, because this is a 30th anniversary and we do want to make sure that we cover as much as we can of the series I know this episode will be a little longer than our usual ones but I'm sorry that happens whenever we have 30th anniversary episodes we have these many guests uh i do want to mention before we get going uh into the origins that there were some people that wanted to be here tonight but unfortunately could not be here uh we really wanted to have one contestant from each team that that was our goal and we were we were so close to to achieving that uh catherine mangan who was uh on the on our show before Uh, She was our our green monkey and she was going to be here. She messaged me about an hour or so before we started and said that she's still recovering from pneumonia. She was hoping to to be here regardless, but she's she's too wiped and totally understand that. We will be having Catherine on again at some point uh, because she's awesome and she has more stories to share with us. Uh, We were also going to have Joe True. Uh, who was our first Legends contestant on the show. But uh, for reasons that I'm not going to go into because it's very personal, but he was unable to make it for this episode and all our love to both of you. And uh, we did manage to get in contact with a few other contestants that... uh, we unfortunately weren't able to work out them being here also i think we, uh, in total we had three others uh that were going to be here and also um julian from uh, what's in my head pod he's a big Led-
1: legends fan as well and unfortunately he's dealing with the the hurricane issues over you know uh on the lower east coast now and trying to get his power back on so understandably he couldn't join us due to internet issues but uh We hope he's staying safe with everyone else and all of our loved ones who are in the Florida area during this time.
2: Most definitely. But again, because this is a 30th anniversary episode and we want to try to encompass as much of the show as possible uh, with all these wonderful stories that our guests have shared. We do feel kind of an obligation for anyone who may be listening to the show and has no clue what Legends is which at this point, what are you still doing watching and listening to this episode? But we do want to go into the origins a little bit and talk about the show itself. So since this is one of Brett's absolute favorite Nickelodeon endeavors, I'm going to let him take the lead on walking through the origins for us. Of course.
1: Well, it goes way back to just before 1993. While Nickelodeon Studios was ironing out its gamut of game shows it had developed since the early days of Double Dare, Legends would continue the trend Nick Arcade and Guts would set with their extreme, cool edginess. Legends of the Hidden Temple premiered on September 11, 1993, and was shot on Soundstage 19 at Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, for the entirety of its initial three-season, 120-episode run. The original concept was supposed to be a haunted house but they scrapped it for the more historical, exotic flair, uh, with an Aztec ancient Mayan temple. It was produced by David G. Stanley and Scott A. Stone collectively under Stone Stanley Productions, and they depicted the show as the ultimate elimination challenge, based loosely on ancient Mayan and Aztec culture, featuring lost treasures guarded by terrifying temple guards. According to a 2016 interview with Fandom, Stone mentioned he was inspired by the Fractured Fairy Tales segment from the 1959 Rocky and Bullwinkle show and wanted to put historical figures in his show that kids would remember 20 to 30 years later, when they were older and had a way to apply the knowledge mentioned. Of course, 30 years later, we're still talking about legends today, so (laughs) mission accomplished. Each of the six teams consisted of one boy and one girl wearing a colored shirt adorned with a yellow jungle animal emblem. The Red Jaguars the Blue Barracudas, the Green Monkeys, the Orange Iguanas, and the Silver Snakes. And Purple Parrots. As mentioned in the Orlando Business Journal, it described it as a combination of Jeopardy and Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, way back in 1996 in an article they did, which is not far off as Scott Stone reported aesthetic influences of Indiana Jones and Legend of Zelda uh, affecting the design of the temple, the obstacles, and just the overall feel of the soundstage. In 2013, uh, there was a Vice article written where Kirk recalls the intense production schedule during the first season. He says, They were long and challenging days. The first season was particularly challenging, as we were a new show, and we were scrambling to get it up on its feet. We typically did four shows a day, and it shot out of order, so all the moat crossings were first, then the Steps of Knowledge, the Temple Games, and finally the Temple Run. By the end of the day, I was completely exhausted. I'd never hosted a show, and this being a very complicated production, I was completely overwhelmed. Of course, you know we heard from our contestants on this episode that they were also exhausted and overwhelming times because they would shoot four to five, maybe even six, on rare occasions shows a day, and they would just do a bunch of moats, bunch of. Steps of knowledge, temple games, temple runs, and just kind of go in that sequence, so it, it was a big ordeal for everyone. Uh, especially in the first season when they're still working out the kinks like timing of the doors and temple guard placements and whatnot. But they later got their stride during season two and three. Um, we also have some behind the scenes footage that we'll be showing you know, throughout this episode to give you a better idea of what it was like to be there um, when this show was first forming together. And we actually have some audience footage uh, of the show getting set up thanks to YouTuber Tom Redding that recently surfaced. Um, thank you to Nick Borey for giving me that tip, because it's, it's just a delight to see the temple as it's forming together while, you know, you hear narrations of Nickelodeon tours uh, in the background. As far as the reboot goes, uh, which aired from 2021 to 2022 on the CW channel, it ran for 13 episodes, uh, between October 10th, 2021 and January 23rd, 2022, and it's considered by the Legends Wiki as the unofficial fourth season of the show. Fans praise the show for all the familiar elements involved, such as the moat Crossing, Temple games, etc., and even enhancements such as the comic book style graphics used to illustrate Olmec's legend while he tells it and the first-person point of view cameras, while Temple runners sprint and maneuver to obtain the artifact of the day. Conversely, many of the reality TV elements and a lack of live audience contributed to the overall lower energy of the show, and vocal fans definitely expressed disappointment with these elements of the reboot. But aside from that, a lot of fans enjoyed it overall and just got to have many, many of their childhood memories relived thanks to you know, kids this, their age who grew up with the show act as contestants on the show. Other notable changes between the original and the reboot involve Uh, Legends having a more adult theme, with graphic depictions of gore, violence, and the occasional swear from Olmec, as he would mention, that damn monkey being put together. (laughs) (laughs) There was also all six teams returning, although there were only four per episode this time around, so the combinations rotated constantly throughout the 13 episode run. There was also a moat crossing that was much, much bigger, as Jen had mentioned in this episode where there is more dimensions to the objective and is directly related to the legend, unlike the original series. The steps of knowledge were also shorter, requiring only three quick questions to advance and only three teams to compete during this round. But the same uh, stomping on the marker sound is still present, which is a nice little nostalgic Easter egg. The Temple games have also been reduced from three to two, with full pendants awarded to each round. And there are no halves this time, but the pendants are jade green which is pretty interesting. The temple layout has a third floor this time around, but the length is condensed. Only 10 rooms exist with a ladder climb on the other side of the Dark Forest, as opposed to the 12 in the original run. A few more rooms were originally planned, but got scrapped during production due to budget constraints during COVID. The prizes were much more consistent and limited compared to the original series. Once again, as Jen had mentioned, there is a Razor scooter involved, but to give you a tiny bit more detail, Uh, The moat crossing consolation prizes are the losing teams get to keep their shirts. Uh, For the Steps of Knowledge consolation prizes, there was a party pack featuring a Legends themed cornhole, a folding chair, a cooler, and the thermos. Which is basically a tailgating party pack. And lastly, the Hidden Temple prizes in the reboot consisted of cash prizes this time around. Starting with 5k, 10k, and 25k for getting in, getting the artifact, and getting out of with the artifact respectively, courtesy of Chime, as I remember that big white credit card that you can't actually use. (laughs) Um, I should also mention too that Stone Stanley also produced this reboot, but due to shifting from the now defunct Quibi app to the CW, some changes were necessary to be made in order for this show to get off the ground. Most notably, the frequent commercial breaks and the reality TV elements where contestants were interviewed throughout the episode, which, you know some diehard fans weren't happy with, but it was a necessary evil to make the show even possible. Uh, I do want to finally note that Kirk Fogg did make a guest appearance in the four episodes, in four episodes out of the 13, where he would occasionally appear somewhere in the temple, usually in the dark forest, as uh, Nick and Josh had mentioned in our previous episode with them in season two of our podcast.
2: And and speaking of those two episodes, uh, because I have noticed uh, a pretty common trend with uh, audiences that Legends of the Hidden Temple, original run, freaking awesome. The reboot, uh, it's okay. Uh, And you can tell that just in the amount of people who have downloaded and, and watched our two episodes that both Nick and Josh were on, because the original one skyrocketed. And then whenever it talked about the reboot, it was just kind of a... It was, a, we had some genuine interest, but not nearly as much as the first one. But I do want to encourage you, uh, since this is a 30th anniversary episode, go check it out. It's not that bad. It, it, it could be better, but in today's environment and what they had to deal with in trying to make the show, it was actually really decent. It was far better than you would expect. It's, it's nothing stellar, but it's still a good adaptation to today's audiences.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I would say approach it with nostalgic goggles and an open mind, because if you're going to go in nitpicking thinking it'll never live up to the original, then of course you're setting yourself up for failure with a bad time. Um, We we gave the 10,000 year necklace of Rama a fair chance, and it was one of our first perfect episodes on this podcast. So it just goes to show you that when you give something a chance to really shine for the things that it does right, it's not as bad as you think.
2: Yeah and uh, to continue on with the tradition of the 30th anniversary uh we've talked at length about legends of the hidden temple on this podcast and uh and that's not a that's not a bad thing at all we we if we didn't love it we wouldn't talk about it so much but uh, one of the things that we have done is we we wanted to mention some of our our favorite episodes or notable episodes but as we're as I was thinking about this. I realized we just about already did that. We did a whole episode to it. Uh, we've, we've got an episode of top 20. We're well not top, but most memorable uh, 20 temple runs uh, because some were good, some were bad, some had something weird. So if you really are interested in some really very memorable temple runs, uh, which all tie in with memorable uh episodes. Go check that one out. Uh, I By the time you've heard this, if you're watching on YouTube, boom, you, you saw the little tag on the top. So go click that and go to it. And I will also add this in the description if you're listening on a podcast app. So that way you can go check out those episodes. And we've done several episodes already with many of our guests. So just look up our name and Legends of the Hidden Temple if you're interested to hear some of these other episodes in depth. Indeed yeah and
1: as as uh, we mentioned here and there we also did an episode battle with two Legends of the Hidden Temple episodes. Kristen was our guest uh, one of our guests for that and we had a blast so if any of you have any suggestions for what else you'd like to see us do with Legends of the Hidden Temple in terms of like podcast format or if you want to see another episode battle where two go against each other or maybe a guts versus legends episode you know let us know in the comments we're open to ideas and it'll help us shape the the road on this podcast journey and
2: honestly if you want to hear our opinion on the legends of the hidden temple tv movie let us know uh if it's something that we can wait till later great but if there's enough interest we'll we'll move it up on the schedule so if you genuinely genuinely want to hear our impressions of it let us know yeah
1: uh, lastly, I do want to mention a couple of crossovers for anyone who really likes the Dive Deep for Legends content. Um, for any of you who like watching Robot Chicken on Adult Swim, uh, you you know that they already did a Nick Arcade version that we talked about in our 30th anniversary of Nick Arcade with Phil Moore. But they also did a sketch with Olmec and Kirk Fogg as well with the dolls and everything. and. Kind of goes a little bit into some dark origins of how Omic become became integrated into this game show. It's so, robot
2: chicken. It's kind of, it goes with yeah. the territory.
1: Yeah, you you'll enjoy that if you enjoy that type of humor. Um, and there's also surprisingly a Nickelodeon connection too for any fan who loves The Loud House, which is pretty much, you know, the second most running cartoon on Nickelodeon right now, compared to SpongeBob or the Sponges. He may not be named as Alex would like to put it. Um, they, they actually do a Temple Run episode where uh, Lincoln Loud and his father are orange iguanas and they compete against like this bully kid and his bully dad, uh, who are the Silver Snakes, of course, because they are typically seen as the unofficial villain of the show. And they do a great tribute to it through their animation style of just running through all the games real quick and even doing um, an anime version of the Temple. So if you happen to see that, let us know what you think and uh, could give us some ideas for more unique Legends content on our podcast down the road. Alrighty, guys. Well, um, we haven't done this segment since season three, but we're gonna gonna bring it back just for the special occasion. It's called Guess That Artifact.
0: Guess That Artifact.
1: Um, So for Guess That Artifact, uh, basically what it is is I've handpicked various artifacts across Legends history uh, to show for you tonight and it's going to be like a kind of a guessing game where i i give you three clues per artifact and whoever buzzes in or raises their hands uh to guess wh- which artifact it is from the show gets a point point. and whoever whoever has the most points at the end wins bragging rights or i can send you a box of nerds if you really want a consolation prize.
2: <laughs> <laughs> saving bond
1: Okay, so Artifact 1. Here are the three clues to give you an idea of what it could be. Ring around the storeroom. Faster than a rattlesnake, this runner shattered records. An oversized animal piercing. Which artifact am I describing?
4: Um, the ring of... Uh, oh, the ring of Babe, I think, Babe the Ox or something like that.
1: You got it. Close oh, enough. Wow. The, the enormous nose ring of Babe the Ox. And yeah. I put that one in there because it is the only example of a perfect temple run. No temple guard encounters. Solo run by one guy. Got out with over a minute left. I
4: think uh, a
3: temple
1: guard got fired on that one probably.
4: Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, on the job.
1: It, it wasn't Mike, though. I'm, I'm they were sure on vacation. I, well, no, it wasn't Mike. <laughs> this was season one, I believe. Yeah, but... Okay, so Artifact 2. An African king trapped in an Egyptian tomb. A winding way through a snake's path to reach it. Unintended win, one of the fastest this animal has bolted through the temple.
9: King Tut's mask? I don't know. On the
1: right track.
9: It was like King
5: Tut's staff or something like
1: that.
0: Snake's
3: staff.
5: Something created by my new friend, Davy. No.
3: <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe?
4: <laughs> <laughs> the Mask of Shaka Zulu.
1: That is correct. Okay, Artifact Three. Which one is it? A body part immortalized in stone. Medusa's wrath defeated the king. A swampy trek to this room will net you the victory. Medusa's
12: eye? Nope. Oh, is it Medusa's head?
1: No, not that, but but it's part of the legend.
12: Um, Medusa's snake? Nope. Kirk Fogg's snake? (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Getting woozy. Any other guesses?
9: Perseus's owl, maybe?
1: Nope. Both of you are close because it uses the Medusa legend. Um, the answer is The Stonehead of the Evil King. And they actually put the whole stone head in the swamp. <laughs> Artifact 4. A Norse tale where cows are involved. A purple parrot who made her teammate proud. This cup is too big for me to drink out of.
2: Thor's Goblet? Nope. Loki's Chalice. Nope.
1: It is The Milk Bucket of Freitas. <laughs> 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 Okay, Artifact 5. The key to getting this artifact requires some bifocals to see clearly. Move over, Tesla and Edison. This figure's scientific discovery was revolutionary. Take a seat and grab the artifact before the Temple Guard grabs the blue Barracuda.
7: Is it his Ben Franklin's kite?
1: So close. So close. Part of the kite. Bifocals.
3: His glass nope.
12: kite tail. No, nope. it is the, the, the key, Ben the Franklin's
1: key. key. Malcolm, Malcolm Mike. got it. Ben, ben Franklin's electrified key. Artifact six. This artifact belongs in a wax museum. Couldn't hold Waterloo or his visage under hot quicksand bog lights. The silver monkey thwarted the orange iguanas from reaching the prize two rooms away.
9: William's hat?
1: On the right track.
9: Napoleon's hat.
1: On the right track. There, there's, there's more to it than just the hat. Is it the feather? His
9: uniform. More. Yeah, hat Napoleon and feather are
1: Nope. Napoleon's
9: uniform. Nope.
2: Napoleon's stepping stool.
1: <laughs> oh, them, dude. Napoleon's ulcer. No. <laughs> it is How to learn Napoleon's French book. From Napoleon napoleon's name isn't in it but the artifact is of napoleon Oh. the general's map french baguette <laughs> <laughs>
9: no
3: nope.
1: it is the melted head of madame tussaud oh. artifact seven a terrible temple run for it did the green monkeys dirty it doesn't have my seal of approval the owner of this artifact also had his own david the gnome episode
5: Perhaps is it the wax seal of Kirk's mom?
9: <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You
1: were on the right track. You're it's ours. You can't Man. take it. I remember the, the prop.
9: Yeah. The wax seal of King Midas, maybe?
1: Nope. It's a it's a Russian guy. Rasputin. Oh. Rasputin. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Rasputin. <laughs> Rasputin.
9: Russian. Nicholas the First?
4: Nope.
9: Nicholas the second.
1: Nicholas, H. <laughs> no, Nicholas. Nicholas, my partner, Ivan the Terrible. Yes, oh, the, the correct answer is the, the discarded seal of Ivan the Terrible, which was in the observatory. Artifact eight I wouldn't shake his hand for a gift I wouldn't want to receive. Too gross, found in Africa by a chimpanzee, not in Egypt, as one would suspect. Shiva's hand. And arm looked better sitting in the bamboo forest. Stick stickly. Uh-huh. Super <laughs> 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 down, y'all. Uh-huh. I almost wore
5: my stick stickly shirt tonight. Is <laughs> it the shriveled h- the shriveled hand of someone?
1: Yes. Yes. Starts starts with an E. There's never that a hundred men or more can ever do.
5: <laughs>
1: you you were close, Josh. I'll give you a half point.
5: About 52% of a point.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay, 66. It, it was the shriveled hand of Ifua. Okay, artifact nine. Almost there. Walk a mile in his shoes, or moccasins, I should say. An Apache's preferred footwear. A blue barracuda swam all the way to the pirate's cove to retrieve it and win the game for his team.
12: A.B. Crockett's moccasin?
4: Water moccasins of somebody and I don't know
12: the name. I want to say
5: Johnny Appleseed, but I don't think that's right.
4: No,
9: that's the mushpat
1: helmet of uh, Johnny Thank
9: Appleseed. you. <laughs> moccasin of Sequoia, maybe?
1: On the right track. It's it's in Native American name. I know it's not
4: Pocahontas. No.
1: The moccasin of Crazy Horse. Oh. Geronimo? Yes! The moccasins <laughs> of Geronimo. <Damn. laughs> nice. Okay, last artifact. <laughs> I'm seeing orange in a green room. A few holes at the end of her routes. Kirk thought she had it, but she didn't. A most unfortunate letdown.
4: The golden pepperoni of Catherine and she.
1: No. Although Man. that was a disappointing. Uh, it was. Get the pepperoni. She <laughs> so went right past it. Mulan's
8: firework, right? No.
1: OK. It is the blue pearl of the dragon lady. Mm. Yeah, tallying up the points, it looks like Manny. Oh, I'll, I'll say everyone's points. Josh got half a point. <laughs> Mike got Mike, Mike got one point, and Manny and Malcolm each got two points. So you're both winners.
3: Wow! High five! Yeah.
2: So Mike caught you all at the temple, so you don't get to go to Bush Gardens. <laughs> so
4: we get packing gear?
8: Good feeling i had at the bottom of the steps of knowledge
1: yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll get your box of nerds in the mail next week
11: you get to keep your t-shirt <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh <shit. laughs> And that is why we never do guess that artifact ever again. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it sounds like we're all exhausted from taping five shows a day on the Legends Nickelodeon <laughs> Studio set. So let's go get some Bigfoot pizza in the green room yes. and call it a night. Uh, our closing question for today's episode is what do you remember most fondly about watching Legends of the Hidden Temple growing up, Slimesters? Write to us via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com. Uh, DM us on Instagram as well, at Podcast. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Podcast. We're almost at 1,000 subscribers, so every little bit helps if you want to hit that subscribe button and share with your friends who also love Legends of the Hidden Temple. Or you can just interact with us wherever you find us on social media. We're mostly on Instagram and YouTube, but we have a little bit of a Twitter, Facebook presence, definitely on Patreon if you want to check that out as well because our episode, Battle with Kristen, um between the jewel-crusted egg of Catherine the Great and the levitating dog leash of Nostradamus is over there, and it's a lot of fun. Again, thank you everyone for joining us today to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Legends of the Hind Temple. Um, We appreciate having you here and just reliving a lot of these nostalgic memories of how the show came to be and the special meaning that still resonates in our hearts today.
5: It's a pleasure to see all of you and we appreciate you guys, everyone that's part
11: of the show. Wavy-davy, good job, man. Oh, thank you. I'd like to just uh, really congratulate you guys on, uh, you know, putting, putting a, a spotlight on, on, you know, cultural things. Uh, these are, you know, you're kind of historians and social, social studies work going on here. It's good work.
1: All right, guys. Well, uh, I think it's time that we're going to head on out then and close the temple doors until another season of Splat Attack. Until then, Alex, will you scrape the slime off the wall for us, please? I've got to construct a new floor on the Hidden Temple to make it adult sized. Will you search for some contestants uh, to be on our show while I put the finishing touches on Olmec and Kirk?
3: <laughs> I, I go, Captain.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm sure our guests and their friends would love to do a test run once it's all done. Just make sure that you don't skimp, oh, skimp on the construction materials.
1: Oh, don't worry. I've learned a few things from my father in the construction business, and also our guest, Wavy Davey. This temple will be solid as a rock. Uh wow. oh. I think I broke Olmec. <laughs> uh,
2: you, you, you oh were no, saying, it looks
4: like he broke Olmec. Is he okay? <laughs> is his mouth moving all right?
2: You, you, you were saying.
1: Uh, I guess I forgot to put the screws in. <laughs> oh well. Well, Welcome to Wienerville. I mean, <laughs> spot you later. <laughs> uh, I best I, I better start from scratch.
2: Oh, uh, uh. is not gonna be pleased about this. Bye, uh. slimesters. Uh-huh. Don't worry,
1: Old I'll be I'll be getting you back in shape in no time.
2: You'd better.
0: Or I'll throw you to the temple guards. No, There's one <laughs> hiding
5: in a tree as we speak
3: i <laughs> <laughs>